Well, that's, that's really quite a good and apt testimony for this morning, as you'll see. Um, if I show you my little prop, I have some tomato seeds as one of my props. But I also have a drumstick, so... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to proke you if you fall asleep. <laughs> so, good morning. Uh, we're here again. I'm back. Um, this is the spring edition of Mrs. Green Does Preaching. <laughs> I think I do it about once a quarter, so I think this is the spring edition. Um, I'd been really tempted this morning to do a really sneaky preacher thing and reuse a sermon that I preached a few weeks ago at my parents' church. Um, you know, the sort of the lazy part of me was a little bit excited I might be able to get two meetings out of one lot of study. Because <laughs> um, actually, apart from Robbie, no one was there from here, so, <laughs> but God does not like me to be lazy. Um, he did not get me doing this so that I could be lazy about it. <laughs> and I got the sense that actually what was right for that meeting was not what he wanted me to bring today. Um, and actually I'm really glad that I listened to him because um, the core message that I was sharing down in Kent is actually really similar to what Olive brought last week. Um, I was talking about you know, these inspirational quotes that we see online, about how you're enough and you know, you've got this and all that sort of thing, um, and saying, actually, no, we're not enough. Um, and we shouldn't be trying to look at our own efforts. We need to be keep taking things to God and trying to live through his strength. Um, so I'm really glad that I ignored the lazy part of me because Olive did a brilliant job of bringing um, a message that had a lot of that in it last week. So I think I would have ended up with quite an essay crisis. <laughs> But instead, God put this different um, idea in me a couple of weeks ago, and I kept mulling it over and chewing on it and letting it grow. Um, and eventually, I decided this was something I, I should bring today. Um, it's a topic that naturally really interests me. I think that's helpful because um, it means that it's not been too difficult to apply myself to studying it. Um, and hopefully it means I can deliver it fairly well because it interests me and I think we teach best on things that interest us. Um, so what is it? <laughs> um, well, it's this. Um, it's how do we grow? Most of you will know that I'm a music teacher during the week. Um, I mostly teach, well, at the moment I only teach the drums. Um, I have taught other things in the past, but at the moment I'm just teaching drums. And so for many years, my trade has been all about how to help someone grow in a skill. Um, so, and teaching really is kind of like part of who I am. It's like woven right into me. Um, even when I had non-teaching jobs, I would always try and seek to teach people things that I had learned in it. Um, and so at my core, I think I've got this teaching thing and it's really, that's all about enabling growth. Um, I've also recently, decided to start trying to invest in my own musical growth again, and I've started having drum lessons. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's been really interesting, actually, because for, for several years I've sat in my comfort zone musically, um, and I, I only ever let you see the things I can do. Yeah. <laughs> but when you go to a teacher, you have to let them see the things you can't do yet. Um, and that actually, that's quite a vulnerable thing when you've sat in your comfort zone for so long that's a really vulnerable scary thing but I've been determined I'd like to get better um, so I found myself a good teacher I've been trying to apply myself um, but it means I've spent a lot of time thinking about the concept of growth 
and how it comes about and how to best grow my own skills in that. The other reason that growth really interests me is because, as a lot of you know, I've got a small obsession with trying to grow food in our garden. Um, I've always had an interest in it, but I think lockdown really supercharged it. And, um, and every year I try and get more crops out of our little north-facing garden than I did the previous year. Um, but I've come to realise that actually my love of teaching and my love of gardening, they're actually linked. They're, they're kind of like the same beast in different clothes. Um, because in both cases, what excites me is the growth. Um, it's the process of planting things, learning how to look after them, train them, eventually receive some fruit from them and see them mature. Um, and it, that's what really gives me a sense of enjoyment and fulfilment and so on. So it's not really a huge leap for me to try and think about how do we grow as Christians. Um, and what I love is this, this passion in me. It seems to be something that God's also really passionate about. You know, God is extremely interested in our growth. He's not happy for us just to sit still um, and sort of stagnate. He wants us to be constantly growing. And Jesus told a lot of parables, didn't he, where he used farming or agriculture to illustrate that. Um, I, think, I think he partly did that because the process of how food grows is something that doesn't really change, regardless of how society changes or even the technology we use or the culture the process of growing some food just doesn't change. Um, but also, I think there's a lot of fundamental principles in that that we can apply to ourselves. Um, now, of course, the challenge of having lots of Bible passages to choose from is where to start. Um, so I decided I'm going to kick off in Ephesians 4. Okay, this is, I'm reading this from the New Living Translation, starting at verse 11. To do with that. <laughs> now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the others grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Okay. Now, I chose this passage to start because I think it makes it really clear that God's will is for us to grow. But more than that, the ultimate goal is for us to grow more like Christ. Yeah, verse 13 says, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 15 says, growing in every way more and more like Christ. So that's the goal. And I think when we're thinking about growth, it helps to make the goal clear right from the start. 
um, before we start getting really nitty-gritty about how we get there. Um, now, I'm going to put that passage to one side. I'm really aware that the context of it um, is talking about what we often refer to as the five-fold ministry. It's talking about people using the gifts that God's given them to help the body grow. But I think if I get into that straight away, I'm going to kind of get ahead of myself a bit. So I'm going to come back to that later. For now, I just want us to take from that the fact that we are meant to be growing um, more and more like Christ in every way. Okay? So how does that happen? Well, next I want to look at Mark chapter 4. I've got quite a few scriptures in this. Um, Mark chapter 4, verse 26 to 29. Jesus says this. The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade foot pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Okay, so there we go. We don't understand how it happens. The earth produces its crops on its own. Enjoy your lunch, and I'll see you next week. <laughs> no. um, what I want to take from that... Um, what I take it to mean is that actually the exact mechanism of what's happening during growing might remain a complete mystery to us, but that doesn't actually matter. Yeah? When I teach kids or adults, whoever, um, it's all kids at the moment, but if I teach someone kick drum independence, okay, so that's when, yeah, so that's when your, your kick drum foot can play things that don't upset what your other limbs are doing. Okay, um, our brains like to take shortcuts, and if I try and make you put a kick drum in between what this hand is doing, this hand will copy it um, until you've kind of trained your brain to not do that. And eventually, it, it stops fighting, and it will let you put your kick drum wherever you want without it messing things up. But you have to you have to learn that, and it's a process. Um, and I don't actually need to understand exactly what's happening in the brain. I don't need to know what pathways are being changed or formed to make that skill possible. I just need to be able to explain it and give exercises to make that learning process happen and to make that possible. When I decide to grow tomatoes, um, I don't actually have to know exactly what's happening during the germination, do I? I, I don't even need to be awake while that's happening. Um, so long as I plant a healthy seed and I give it the environment that it needs, then God sets everything else in motion. Okay? And with ourselves, we don't actually need to understand exactly how growth comes about in order to grow. Um, if we're in the right environment, then God will be working to bring to completion the good work that he started in us. So... Is that saying, then, that growth is inevitable? Can I just sit happily and expect to grow? Can I come plonk myself in church, grab a cup of tea, grab a biscuit, and just let God do his good work in me? Um, or is it possible to be a Christian and to not grow? Yeah, now, I think instinctively, I think we all know the answer to that, don't we? Um, I think that growth is not inevitable, think it's absolutely possible to stop growing um, but if we need some biblical proof then we can find it in Hebrews 5 verse 12 to 14 where the author 
a lot of people think it's Paul, but no one knows for absolute sure. The author says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So these people, they have had enough time that they should be teachers by now. They should be teaching the word. Um, They should have been mature. They should have been digging into the meat of the word. But instead, they needed someone to teach them the basic stuff again. They weren't growing. So then the next question I have then is why? What makes the difference between getting your spiritual milk and being able to move on to the meat versus having to keep having milk and the basic teachings again and again. Now, I think the answer to that, the first point, main point that I want to make today um, about how we grow is in Luke 6. There's a lot of, a lot of Bible passages in there. Luke 6, 46 to 49. We've got Jesus with a really well-known parable. He says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the flood sweeps down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. And the parable here is talking about foundations of a building, but we could probably think about that as being similar to like the root system of a plant, couldn't we? You know, a tree with strong roots, that's not going to go anywhere in a, in a big storm, isn't it? It can withstand a lot. Um, but what was the, the key point that Jesus was trying to make? And I think like quite often we remember the image of the houses, yeah? One on the rock and one on the, the sand, um, and perhaps have come to think of it almost as being this, this is the Christians on the rock and this is the non-Christians on the sand maybe. But actually, the more I've looked at it, the more I think, I don't think that's quite accurate. I think it's really easy to miss what the key point is. Because actually, at the beginning, Jesus is, is kind of complaining, isn't he? He says, why do you keep calling me Lord, but you don't do what I say? You know, I think the real key here, and I think the whole point of the analogy is that knowing the word of God is not enough. We have to actually live it. We have to be seeking all the time to actually try and do what Jesus says. Every time we learn something or we're reminded afresh of things that we've learned before, we should be seeking to apply that into our lives the best we can. Yeah, because that's the process that results in good foundations strong root systems yeah it's no good olive standing up here last week and telling us that we need to keep taking our situations to god if we say yeah yeah i agree but then we just ignore that and we keep blundering along in our own strength and feeling overwhelmed and so on you know we don't change like that yeah we don't grow like that we have to apply it if As a teacher, as a music teacher, if I tell you you need to change the way you're doing something, there's usually a really good reason for that. And maybe I can see why, but maybe you can't. Um, Usually, it's because what you're doing is going to hold you back in some way in the future. Yeah? 
Um, for example, take how you hold a drumstick, okay? Now, most children, the vast majority, will start holding it with their index finger down the back like that, okay? Um, but that's not how you're meant to do it. You're meant to hold it like that um, with a little sort of pivot to it. If you've got that, you've got no flex in the way you do it. Okay, so to start with, I have to nag a lot. Look at how you're holding your sticks. Look at how you're holding your sticks until we then we move to a point where they do it without being nagged. They sit and they look and they make sure they've held onto it properly and then eventually they just do it. Yeah, they've stopped having to think about it. Um, but what if I didn't tell them or if they just continue to ignore me? That does happen. Um, <laughs> well, one day they're going to want to do something kind of cool, like maybe a drum roll, and they're going to find they can't do it. Because it's actually impossible to do a drum roll if you've got your finger on the back of the stick. It's completely impossible. Um, and they're going to find that that technique is now holding them back. Yeah? And because they've ignored me for so long, <laughs> it's going to be even harder to change it now. Yeah? They've inhibited their growth, and they won't move on from where they are. And similarly, I think if we just keep on ignoring God's teachings and ignoring his reminders that we can't do things in our own strength, we need to keep taking things to him so we can function. You know, if we keep ignoring that, then I think we might find ourselves face to face with something that actually could have been possible, but now we're not going to accomplish it because we haven't put the foundational things in back when we should have. <coughs> okay, so that's, that's my first point, that foundational to all of growth is not just being hearers of the word, but being doers of the word, yeah? Um, but I want to keep continuing to explore this idea of growth um, and look at the concept of environment and how important that is for any kind of growth. Yeah, so when you buy a packet of seeds, this is some tomato seeds, which... Oh, no, they are in date, that's good. Um, <laughs> I've got a habit of keeping hold of them and then planting them way after I should and just kind of hoping they'll still germinate. Um, but yeah, if, you, if you've got a packet of seeds, then on the back, you've got some instructions. You've got, um, this says, uh, so indoors, a warm kitchen windowsill is all you need for starting these seeds. So half a centimetre deep, thinly in a pot of compost, water well, keep in a warm position, 15 to 20 degrees C is ideal. Keep moist. Seedlings appear 7 to 14 days. Blah, de, blah, de, blah. Plant out on this date. And then support and pinch out sides and all, all this kind of stuff, okay? Um, so the environment you create for these plants is really important, isn't it? So what would happen if actually I planted them outside in December? Probably not a lot. I don't think they would do anything. I don't think they'd germinate. They might just rot. Um, what if I take my little plants and I put them outside too early? Yeah, now I've done that before. Get excited and you think, oh, we've had a sunny day. Um, <laughs> and I put my tomatoes out and then we get a frost. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's really risky, isn't it? Um, similarly, I've got these three blueberry plants at home. I love my blueberries. Um, and for a few years, well, a couple of years, they were quite unhappy. They were going yellow on the leaves and they weren't really producing a lot of fruit. They were only doing it every other year, which is a sign of a stressed, unhappy plant. Um, and the reason is that actually they really like acidic soil. 
and the soil around here is is not acidic. And I just plonked them in the ground and thought, bro, little things, and they they weren't that happy. <laughs> so eventually, I thought, right, I need to give these plants what they actually need. So I dug them out, and I dug this section out, um, and then filled it in with acidic compost. And then I've been feeding them the sort of the right stuff to try and maintain that. And actually, it wasn't that long before the leaves started to go green again. Yeah, they'd been yellow and then all this green started to appear and I was like, oh, look. <laughs> and then the next season, they produced loads of fruit. <laughs> um, but it was the environment. They were in the wrong environment and it was inhibiting them. Yeah, they weren't thriving. And I think the same is true for us. Okay, if we ever look at the beginning of Psalm 1, I really love Psalm 1. Um, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, I, what I love about the psalm is this imagery in it and the strength of the contrast. Yeah, we've got two environments, really, um, and the first one that it describes is a bad environment. It uses three points to describe it. You've got walking in the counsel of the ungodly, standing in the path of sinners, sitting in the seat of the scornful, okay? Now notice how with each of those points, the person loses momentum, yeah? Firstly, they're walking, then they're standing, and then they've sat down, yeah? Um, and I think that always really strikes me, that we might just start off taking advice in the wrong places, um, but if we keep following that, then we can end up walking in ways that we're not meant to be walking in. And before we know it, we've sat down, so we've got ourselves comfortable joining in with behavior that is not right for us. Yeah, that's not great, is it? Um, in fact, I'd say that's, that's the opposite of growth. Um, but if we look what it describes in verse 3. Now that, that's what I'd like to, to look like, yeah? A, a tree that's planted by the river. Yeah, it's got a constant source of what it needs. It's bringing forth fruit in season. It's not withering and it's prospering in everything it does. Yeah? Now, that's really appealing, isn't it? So how do, we, how do we do that? Well, verse 2 tells us we delight ourselves in the law of the Lord. Yeah, that's his word. We meditate on it day and night. Basically, we make the word of God our environment. Yeah, his words are the stream that keeps flowing next to us, giving us what we need to thrive. In the New Testament, it puts it like this. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And that's, that's Colossians 2, just in case you're making any notes. But look what it says, walk in Christ, be rooted into him, built up in him and established. Yeah? Our environment should be Jesus if we want to thrive and to bear fruit. 
Yeah, we could also throw John 15 in there if we wanted to. Jesus talking about um, abiding in the vine if we want to achieve anything. Um, but actually, let, I'm going to jump over to 1 Timothy instead. 1 Timothy 4, verses 13 to 15. says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Now that, that's a recipe for growth, I think. If you look at the, right at the end, it says that all may see your progress. What does that mean? Progress. That's, that's growth, isn't it? That is growth that people are noticing. Yeah? So how did it come about? Well, one of the points is exactly what we've just been saying. That's learn the word. Where he talks about public reading of scripture, it's probably because a lot of people couldn't read it for themselves. Um, in that culture, they didn't have a, a nice, neat little Bible in their own language that they could just take and sit at home, you know, when they're in bed. Um, instead, they had to read it aloud so that people were getting that, that scripture. Um, and then, just like they're told, we should be devoting ourselves to reading scripture. And the exhortation bit that it mentions, if you look that up, it says communicating emphatically what someone should do. So I think that's kind of preaching. Um, and then it says to teaching. Um, but actually, that's not the only thing that um, Paul mentions, is it? He also tells Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So what, what does that mean? What's he talking about there? Um, well, what gift immediately comes to mind if you think about receiving something by the laying on of hands? Right? To me, that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah? We must not neglect the Holy Spirit in all of this. We mustn't. Um, you know, in Galatians, it says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? Yeah? Our growth is not just about a fleshly thing. The Spirit is integral to this. Um, and we need this powerful combination of the Word and the Spirit. Um, I like to think of it, I'm going to go back to my garden again. Um, I like to think of it like this. I like to picture that the word of God is like the sun and the spirit is like the rain. Yeah? And if I'm a little plant in the garden, then I need both the rain and the sun in order to thrive. Um, if I'm going to grow healthily, I actually need a really good balance of the two. Yeah? Some people might focus so heavily on the word that they neglect to involve the spirit. But what happens to a plant if they get a lot of sun and no water? Yeah, They dry up, don't they? They can get really dry. And I, you, you may have come across Christians before who really know the word, but they just seem really dry and really lacking in life. And, and I think that, that that can often be because the, the spirit's just neglected. And what about the other way around? What if I just love immersing myself in the reign of the spirit, but I don't take any time to learn the word? What about that? What happens to a little plant that's had a lot of rain and no sun? Okay, now that, I think that's, it's less obvious at first. Um, but if you're growing crops and you've got a very wet year, then it makes them much more susceptible to diseases and to rotting. Yeah, things like blight and tomatoes. 
um, like <laughs> gives you a bit of a shiver to think about blight on tomatoes because as soon as you spotted it, oh, you've got to start cutting bits off of it just to save the plant and even then you might not succeed. Um, yeah, it's a fungus. It thrives in the wet and it will eat away at the plant. It will kill its fruit um, and eventually it will kill the plant. Yeah, and I think the danger for us is that if we only seek after the spirit without the grounding of the word then we've got this risk of unhealthy things like deceptive teachings and so on coming in and starting to cause damage to us and to our fruit. Yeah, before we know it, things might be starting to look a bit rotten in places. Um, I think some people get so concerned about that risk that they, they shut off the spirit altogether. Yeah? Um, out of this sort of fear of what might come and sort of try and ride in you know, um, but what the key to preventing blight in tomatoes isn't to stop watering them, yeah, it's about getting the balance right because you need both the sun and you need the rain, yeah. Um, when the sun shines onto the plant, it denies the fungus the chance to take hold and to grow. And I think it's kind of the same when we when we get lots of word into us, it denies deceptive teachings and so on, the chance to actually take hold in the first place. Because we need plenty of sun, we need plenty of rain, we need plenty of the word, and we need plenty of the spirit. Yeah. Now that is my analogy. That is not out of the Bible, so take that with a pinch of salt. Don't overstretch the analogy. But I just find that really helpful in considering the environment that I need um, for growth to continue. Yeah. So, summarising so far... We are to be doers of the word, putting things into practice yeah, that we've learned. Um, and we should be paying attention to our environment um, with the best environment being one that's rich in the word, rich in the spirit. Okay. But there's another thing I want us to consider, um, and I think it's quite important. It's found in James 1, verses 2 to 4, where it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's our favorite topic, though, isn't it? Trials. You know, like it or not, stuff comes along and it, it's difficult and so on. But if we walk it right with God, they can be really big times of growth for us. But why? And how? And why can't we just live easy lives? Why does God insist on using these trials, these wilderness experiences, instead of just taking them away on day one, like I asked? Um, <laughs> um, well, I want to go back to my tomato plants. Okay, I, I do love my little tomato plants. <laughs> when I first plant the seeds, I have to care for them really carefully. Yeah, I mustn't let them dry out. And yeah, I've got to really look after them. But once they get to a certain point... The way that you treat them changes if you want to create a really strong plant. Okay? Once they get to a certain point, it's actually really good for them if you don't water them too regularly. Okay? If you allow them to dry out a little bit each time before you water them, then you force the plant to grow stronger roots. And in the long run, that's going to be a stronger plant than one which has been kept moist and had a really cosy little existence and not had to fight to find moisture and so on. And so once you get to the point of planting it out in the garden, you want a plant that's grown a decent root system, don't you? Um, 
Now, I think sometimes we find ourselves in little seasons where things can feel quite dry. It might be more of a, a struggle to engage with God. It might be that we're not able to feel the spirit in the same way we used to. It might just feel difficult. And I think during these times, I think God wants us to grow our roots. Yeah, we might need to dig a bit deeper to engage um, in our study of the word or in our worship. Um, but the key is not to give up, it's to push on so that we develop that steadfastness like James is talking about. Yeah, that, that's the kind of growth that happens underground, yeah, which means that other people probably can't see it. Yeah. We might feel like we're not growing, but actually there's some really important stuff going on. Um, those seasons, if we dig down, they make us more unshakable in our faith. Yeah? And then when the easy times have come along, a plant that's got a, lot, a really good root system can drink up really quickly. Yeah? Um, so when things feel easier for us and the spirit just feels in abundance, we can just soak all of that up really easily. Um, so I just want to encourage that if we keep turning to God when times are feeling difficult, then the work that he can do in us, the growth that he can do in us is really valuable, even if it's not visible. Okay, so that's, that's our environment for growth. We want to immerse ourselves in the word and the spirit. We want to dig deeper during difficult times so that we can grow stronger. Okay, but if you look in any book about caring for plants, okay, I've got a few at home, or if you look it up on the internet, then the information doesn't stop after environment. Usually, you'll find a section entitled Common Pests and Diseases. <laughs> um, now, as a gardener, I really like the spring because uh, pretty much everything that I'm growing looks healthy at this point. <laughs> yeah, um, I've been able to keep it inside. I've been able to nurture it. Um, I've been able to control a lot about the environment that it's in. But once you get to about mid-May and you have to do a scary thing and you have to put them outside in the ground where there's slugs and snails and caterpillars and beetles and weeds, um, all looking to interfere with their growth, okay? And to be honest, I feel like that's sometimes how it feels trying to send our kids out into the world as well, but that's, that's a whole other topic, um, when it comes to things that are looking to interfere with our growth, I want to focus on two parables that Jesus told. I've already talked about the example of false teachings that can try and latch on if we've not got a good grounding in the word. Um, but Jesus actually warned us about two types of weeds that I want to quickly look at. Um, the first type is in the parable of the sower. I'm not actually going to read this. Um, I'm not going to read either of these because I'm aware that this is one of the longest sessions I've put together. I don't want to go on too long. But also most of us know the parable of the sower, probably. Um, Jesus talks about these thorns which grow up, okay? And they choke the good seed. And he likens them to the cares, riches, and pleasures of this world that prevent a plant from getting to maturity and producing fruit. Okay. Now, look at that little list of things that pose a threat to our growth. We've got cares, riches, and pleasures. Now, the first one, I think that feels pretty obvious. We can kind of see how the cares of this world 
can get in the way of our progress. Um, I was sort of thinking about Martha. She was pulled away from Jesus by all the things, the mountain of jobs that she felt she had to get done, all these demands on our time and stuff. It can be really easy to see how those kind of things can choke our growth. But the other two, riches and pleasures, they sound more like positive things. You know, I would be quite happy to have fewer cares, but I'm not sure I would want fewer riches or fewer pleasures in my life. <laughs> um, and actually, these things, they're not bad in and of themselves. You know, like Martha was dealing with things that were legitimate concerns. Um, but the issue is their ability to pull our attention away from Jesus. Now, riches and pleasures are, they're all very well, but how often do they become people's focus? Yeah? When Jesus should be the focus. How many Christians even are going after material blessings more than they're going after Christ himself? Yeah, these are things that choke our growth. They steal our attention away from where it should be. Okay, so that's the first kind of weed. The other is the tares from the parable of the wheat and the tares. I don't know if you remember that one. Um, you've got an enemy that comes and sows tares among the wheat, but the farmer lets them both grow together in case removing the tares uproots the wheat. Yeah? Now, I help out in the gardening club at the girls' school. It's very cute. Um, and we've got a little plot. It's brand new. We've got this little plot in the courtyard area, and we've been planting a few seeds and things. We've planted some carrots. And the ground, although we weeded it first, it's full of tiny little weeds. And what we've been trying to teach the children is you can't pull those weeds up until the carrots have got bigger because otherwise you're going to accidentally pull carrots up and that's you know that's what we're wanting to grow so for the time being we have to leave them until the carrots are stronger until it's more obvious which ones are weeds and which ones are not yeah um because we don't want to be pulling up the good things yeah now sometimes i don't know if i'm crossing a line but sometimes i have suspected or i might have even been somewhat convinced that there is a weed growing next to me yeah, and God, weed, I think. <laughs> um, but he lets them carry on. <laughs> now, I've taught on wolves in sheep's clothing before, so I don't want to really get too far into that um, and about how we handle that specifically. But, um, you know, we, we may be sitting next to a weed and we may realise it or we may not realise it. Well, what I want to ask is, how do we protect ourselves against weeds? How do we protect ourselves? Um, because actually, sometimes they do get uprooted. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure most of us have seen false teachers or just dodgy leaders or whatever get exposed. And it causes all sorts of damage, doesn't it? People, there are people that lose their faith because of what other Christians, in inverted commas, have done. And that gets exposed. And when that tear gets pulled up, some of the wheat gets pulled up with it. Okay, so how do we guard ourselves? What is the best way in a garden for a plant to survive having a weed pulled up from next to it? Um, but again, I think it comes back to this root system. I think it's our ability to dig into God for ourselves, um, to draw from him what we need. Yeah, the foundations that are at the base of our house. Um, if they go deep into that rock that is Christ, then we can withstand so, so much more. Yeah, and also just from my own personal experience, because actually 
I've unfortunately seen some really ugly things go on in churches. I've seen some Christians do some stuff that has really hurt other people. But I've found it really helpful to keep a distinction between God and the church. Yeah? And that these things that we might see people do are not representative of God just because they happened in a church context. Yeah? Because I don't want to give up on God just because of something a person has done. Um, so that that's just like a little personal aside. The other thing I was thinking when I was writing this out, and I haven't put it in there, but is if you do think you're next to a weed, just try not to kind of get yourself entangled too much with them. Do you know what I mean? Because if they get pulled up, the damage is more. If your weeds, if your root systems are really entangled with theirs, then yeah. Right. I'm getting there. I'm getting to the end. To finish, I want to ask one more question, and I want to hopefully answer it. Um, and that is, how do we measure our growth? Yeah? We can talk about a lot about how to try and propagate growth. Um, but how do we actually even tell if we're growing or not? Yeah? When we're new Christians, growth can seem really fast and really obvious. Yeah? My little tomato plant. Again, I nearly brought one in with me. Um, <laughs> my little tomato plant, if it adds five centimeters of growth, it might have doubled its size. But then once it's planted outside and it's this tall, if it adds five centimetres on, are we going to even notice? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, I think once, once we're mature Christians, I think it can be harder to know if we're still growing. Um, but none of us are perfect yet, so we can all still keep growing and learning. It's possible. Um, and actually, I feel it as a musician as well. You know, I improved really quickly in my early days of playing um, now I find it really difficult, genuinely difficult to judge if what I'm doing is paying off. And the process of learning things, which I'm really, really battling at the moment, involves that sometimes I feel as though I've got worse for a while. <laughs> um, I think it's because I'm trying to play things that I hear in my head that I actually can't quite manage yet. <laughs> um, but it's, it's harder to measure when you're further down the road. So how then do we measure it? Is there a way... Um, the first thing I want to sort of remind ourselves is that growth, first of all, is often not linear. Yeah, um, Some of it will be going on underground and some of it will be visible. So we need to ask God to give us this true picture of what's been going on with us. Um, and I think we need to take a longer view of things rather than saying, am I better than I was last week? Am I better than I was last month? It's, I think, better to say, have I moved on from where I was last year or five years ago? Is my faith stronger now than it was before lockdown? I think that is easier to measure. Um, now, if we remember the Hebrews, I said I'd get back there, didn't I? Um, they were told they ought to be teachers by now. Because I think as we become more mature, we should be able to pass stuff on to others that we've learnt. Um, now, how we do that will look different for all of us. Yeah, that passage mentioned the fivefold ministry, different gifts that people have in order to help others in their growth. Um, if you're a more mature Christian, are you using what God's given you to help those around you who may benefit? Yeah, and you don't need to be perfect to do this. You know, we often think we need to have kind of arrived before we're ready to, to teach people. Um, as a drummer, I don't know everything that there is to know about playing and so on. However, I know enough that I can keep you busy for probably some years. Um, 
and I'm trying to learn, so I'm hopefully still moving forward at the same time. Yeah? Now, I, I think it's really encouraging having all the, you know, all you lovely lot here. We've got people like Bob and June, yeah, who are further down the road than me, and they really encourage me from the things that they've learned, from the experience that they have, from their faith and their steadfastness. Yeah, and that encourages me when I need it. Um, and I'm hoping and praying that I will be able to become more and more of an encouragement like they are. Um, and the last thing that I want to do is just encourage us not to get drawn into measuring against perhaps some of the more flashier things, like how many miracles we may or may not have seen God work through us. Um, now, that's not to say those are not brilliant things. Obviously, they are. Those are really great. But the Bible makes it really clear that they are gifts of the Spirit. They are not fruit of the Spirit. Um, and actually, if we want to measure ourselves as to whether we're fruitful people, we need to look for love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And maybe rather than asking, am I seeing more miracles than I did last year? Maybe we should ask ourselves, am I exhibiting more self-control than I did last year? Because that's real growth of character, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's important to be asking God to grow these fruits in us more and more. Yeah, the miracles are great, and I think we should be absolutely seeking to see more of it. But actually, if our character doesn't grow at the same time, then we're risking falling over and possibly harming the roots of those around us. Okay. So I want to pray. Hopefully that's not been too lengthy. I think that's the longest one I've ever written in terms of pages on my iPad. Um, but I want to pray. Thank you, Father, that you are so um, intensely interested in our growth. Yeah, you haven't just saved us so that we can sit still um, and remain as we are but your intention for us is for us to continue to grow to be more like Jesus and you are able to see the path ahead of us you are the teacher you are the one that is able to see the things that we need to change in order to be able to achieve the things that you would love for us to achieve in life and to bear the fruit that you would love to see us bear um, and that then we can be used in the body to help build each other up and encourage each other and become that that image of the, the strong tree that's planted by the, the running river. So, Father, I pray that um, you would settle into people the things that you wish for them to take away from this morning, that they would just forget the things that you, your blessing is not on. Um, yeah, but I pray that you would just help these things to settle in our heart and you would help us to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word as we go on from here. Amen.